Lily, can we talk about how useful we have found the Media Moves newsletter from Cision? Yeah, I didn't know about this before and now I've signed up. It is so useful. You get a list on there every week of all the different people moving around different publications. And basically you've got a ready-made list of commissioning editors with their contact details, which you can then use when you want to pitch. It's so helpful. Yeah, and on top of that, as a freelancer, you can actually list yourself as looking for work and your details so people know all about you and where to find you. Yeah, it's so useful. I'd really recommend people go and have a look at scission.co.uk, click on journalist services and then have a look out for media moves and you can sign up for the newsletter there. Hello and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Emma Wilkinson. And I'm Lily Cantor. We're both experienced freelance journalists and in each episode, with the help of two fabulous guests, we give practical tips on key issues you face when working for yourself. And this episode, we're going to talk about how to get funding for your project. Yes, but before we get our entrepreneur hats on, uh, let's talk about our highlight of the week. Lily, what's yours? I think mine is, um, I, I don't know, it's highlight of the week or maybe highlight of the month, um, but it's a, I think I found that sweet spot where I'm getting the right balance with the amount of work I've got coming in. So for the last couple of months, I've taken a different tactic. Normally at the beginning of the month, I like pitch like mad um, and try and get in enough work for the month. But for the last two months, my tactic is to be, to pitch half as much because I always end up getting last minute commissions and people coming to me um, and then I find I have too much work on and this is exactly what's been happening so it's just worked so much better now so that I have like enough work as a baseline and then I can take on extra stuff without feeling like I'm really really panicked and I've done that again kind of going into this month and Touch wood, it seems to be working better for me. So this is going to be my new tactic going forward. That's good. That's interesting. Did you feel a bit twitchy about not pitching as much as you usually would? Um, no, I think I think I kind of I knew I had enough in the bank that if it all went, you know, sideways, I'd be all right, or I'd just like pitch loads more. To be honest, I love pitching. I'm one of those weird people that actually enjoys pitching. So that's why I tend to pitch loads. Um, but I've yeah, reining it in is definitely helping, I think, now. Because editors like it if you can do last minute stuff and then they're more likely to come back to you. So um, I've been able to say yes more than no, but without it stressing me out. You do make me laugh sometimes, Lily. I don't know if I've ever come across anybody who says I like pitching before. So yeah, mine is I... I had a feature that I'd written um, and I'd been commissioned for one page, but I thought it was quite interesting. They said, we can maybe go more if you think. So I said, I've written it to two pages. What do you think? And he said, he was um and R and I wasn't sure. And he said, it basically needed more voices in it. So I went back and did loads of extra interviews um, and kind of give it to him again. And then I didn't hear anything for two weeks. So I was like, oh, was that what he wanted? I wasn't sure. I did that whole kind of imposter syndrome thing. Anyway, in the end, I just messaged him and said, so you're going to run that feature? 
And it turns out he's actually very happy with it. He just got completely sidetracked sorting out some um, coverage of uh, some Ukraine stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm really pleased it's finally done and dusted because a lot of work went into it in the end. And I did get more money because I got the two-page commission. Um, but also, I suppose the moral of the story is don't be afraid to chase because there was a really good reason why he'd not been in touch. And none of it was to do with the how the article was or whether they were going to run it there's no point just sitting there convincing yourself that something is no good so there's my advice for this week okay so it's time to introduce this week's guest to talk about getting funding for projects First up, we have Amanda Nan. Amanda is a broadcast journalist who has recently gone freelance after previously being deputy news editor at Channel 5. She's also one of the founders of the Off the Record newsletter. Uh, we also have Warren Nettleford, an ITN television presenter and reporter and co-founder of Need to Know, the UK's first youth news service built purely for the digital generation. So we're really pleased to have you guys both here to share experiences today about getting funding for innovative projects. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, Lots of our listeners um, may have ideas for things, whether that's perhaps a newsletter or an event or a, a sort of niche project, but perhaps they've got no idea about how to make that a reality. Um, So it'd be really good to find out your experience of this. So Amanda, if I come to you first, you founded or co-founded Off the Record, a weekly newsletter for journalists to keep them in the loop on industry news and events. Can you tell us a bit more about what sources of funding you got in order to get it off the ground? Yeah, definitely. So originally, I, I guess they say necessity is the mother of all invention. I was really frustrated because I'd go to lots of um, different journalism events and there was no one that was putting them all together in a way that was really easy to find out everything that was going on. And uh, then lockdown happened and I started having a little mull and I thought to myself, well, if I want it, that means that other people will. So then I had a little think about who I knew and started speaking to like just as many people as I could about what I wanted to do and it was from there actually that I got um, introduced to someone at Cision which used to be called Gorkana they had a rebrand and she was just really interested in the project and she was it was just like a very quick conversation and then she was like can you send over a budget I hadn't done a budget before there was quite a lot of overestimating that went on on that budget if I'm being honest and um, she came back and she was like oh yeah that's fine and I was like what and then all of a sudden I realized that actually this project was um, going to go forward so I just made a start and then it was because it brings together so many different journalism organizations I then um, was contacted by the journalism charity and they were really keen to help out although it wasn't with funding they were offering like designers and all sorts of things like that so even if it's not funding I think speaking to as many people as possible you just never really know what you're going to get And then um, I actually ended up getting a bit of money from women in journalism as well. So it sort of came together very quickly, a lot more quickly than I was anticipating. But I suppose that's kind of how you know that you're on to a good idea. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, Lily and I can perhaps talk in a bit about um, funding for various projects that we've um, had, including the podcast. But a lot of it starts with just starting to reach out to people and starting to make connections. 
Warren, similar question to you, really. Can you tell us um, more about Need to Know and how that came about, how that started, and then also kind of how you funded um, how you funded that venture? Yeah, sure. So um, for a long time, I've been really interested and, and passionate about um, news and current affairs targeted at younger audiences. Um, um, you know, from a young age, I watched Newsround and watched um, lots of news and was always into it, I guess. You can count me as being a bit of a news geek. Um, I'm, I, if you go back to me being at school when it came to doing work experience, I decided to do mine at the local um, uh, archives and gallery, uh, archives and museum. I love really reading old newspapers and, and looking through things. Um, and that led to my career in journalism. Um, but when it came to this project in particular, um, we had the idea that we realized that when it came to the current offering for news, for younger people, younger audiences, say under the age of 24, um, the major broadcasters weren't doing a good enough job. And so we just decided um, to do something about it, use their own money, which is always a big thing to do and a risk to take. Um, and we created Need to Know, uh, did our first series um, during the 2019 general election. Do you remember then? Before um, the pandemic and before the world was being bombed in Europe and before <laughs> the world was falling apart in many other places. And we did it and we had an amazing reaction. It ran on Snapchat, the first series, and we got uh, nearly 2 million viewers. Um, it led to a nomination for a British Journalism Award. And then also we won a Royal Television Society Award um, for our coverage and what we created. So it's a bit of a vindication really that we used zero money, took a big risk and it paid off. And since then we've come back and we've got funding from google to do a new series and we've just launched on youtube so can you tell us a bit more about that funding from google which particular initiative is that come from it's from the google news initiative um so um if people don't know about that google have made a um i guess they've decided that at the moment, um, they need to support independent news providers. Um, so they've got this fund where if they see people who they think are doing a good job, who've got a good idea and and have got an idea to provide um, some independent journalism in a different kind of way, they could potentially give you some money for it. So I had to do a presentation, um, put together a, a deck um, and had an interview, um, a few interviews where they went through the ideas that I had and that led them um, giving us um, the money for Need to Know. And we've used that money um, to um, employ a small team and to experiment and try with this new series, which is seeing us doing a kind of weekly uh, new show uh, with lots of interviewees looking at, I guess, evergreen kind of news topics, um, whilst also trying to find news lines at the same time. Um, I think it's quite an exciting time for independent journalism and technology because no one's found the exact formula yet when it comes to, you know, A, definitely making money or B, trying to work out what the best format is to communicate with audiences in a different kind of way because the major broadcasters have been for a long time just getting what they create on TV maybe and then just putting it online and the grammar isn't there yet. So we're really keen with our small team of creating this new grammar of journalism online and trying to appeal to um, younger audiences. So um, for the past few weeks, I've been really busy working on that project. And when you were looking for funding, did you 
just go to Google or were you sort of aware of other sort of funding options out there? Yeah, well, of course, because, you know, for the first series, I'd use my own money um, to make me to know. Um, I knew that it worked. And but your own money has a finite, you have a finite amount of your own money, don't you? So it like comes to the point where you think, right, OK, well, I've already made a commitment. I've done it. I need someone else now to help me. Um, I found out about this Google money and we were lucky enough to get it. Um, other than that, we've been going to investors um, and we still are having some really good conversations because they've been pleased with our success so far with the first series. And when you've got someone like Google backing you too, it's like the icing on the cake. Um, so now we're just having more conversations, speaking to, I guess, um, angel investors and um, other firms too. And we're just in the process now of seeing what happens next. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it's really good. I mean, I think it shows that balance that Lily and I have uh, had discussions about, about kind of proving your product and kind of showing that the product that you have has an audience and has a niche in order to be able to kind of go to somebody and say, look, invest in us because, or sponsor us, or can we have a grant because we have this evidence. Um, so, you know, it's like, which point do you stop self-funding and at which point do you kind of search for other sources of funding? Um, and we've talked about different ways of getting uh, funding there. Um, Amanda, I'm interested in kind of sponsorship. I think I think there's um, people may, maybe don't understand how that works and how you go about finding someone who would be a sponsor or approach, you know, how, how do you know who to approach? How did you, can you go into a bit more detail about how you did the research there? Yeah, definitely. So as the first thing that you have to think of if you're building, so for example, with a newsletter, you're building a very specific niche audience of people. So you have to think who are those people and what companies would be interested in having access to those people but you also have to think okay I have all of these um, people's email addresses and it's very like intimate having things land in your inbox so you also have to think about how those people would feel about the company that is sponsoring them because you're giving them direct access and you haven't asked so I suppose you have to think about it in that way like do you want to be associated with that brand and I think that's something that everyone's become a lot more aware of recently given everything that's going on but I think it's just incredibly important that you have a think about whether or not that company is one that you want to be associated with and you're willing to give them access to these like precious contacts that you've built up over time. Absolutely. And have you got any advice for, let's say you have identified someone that you would be happy to work with, kind of what kind of detail did you then have to go into in terms of your business plan and kind of, you know, what, how did you work out what, funding that you would necessarily need uh, for the newsletter so when it came to working out how much funding I would need it came down to me having a think about all of the various things that I wanted like a website and a graphic designer and how much it was going to cost to host because obviously you need to pay to host the website and you just um, work out how long you think that you want that project to be funded for and multiply it by as many years as you want to do add a bit on because everything always costs so much more than you think it's going to. And then there's something else that you don't, that you haven't factored in. So then that gives you quite a good figure to get started with. Yeah, that sounds similar to what we did for the, for the podcast. So um, what you're both sort of saying resonates with our process, I think, because 
we, I mean, originally the first series, we had a grant from the university, but then we sort of moved away from them kind of being, hosting it really and being being involved. And the second series we did kind of for free. And then at that point we started looking for a sponsor and we, we, we already had the kit, so we didn't have any <clears throat> capital investment that we needed, but we had our time. So we had to work out our time and our guest time and our producer's time and then multiply that by the number of episodes we wanted to produce. Um, so I think that's a really good um, bit of advice for people is, is working out those costs, isn't it? It's time, it's equipment, it's other people that you may need to hire um, and all those all those considerations. And then, like you say, reaching out to companies that you think would be um, a good fit. I mean, one thing you kind of already touched on this, Amanda, is sort of about you know thinking about carefully about the companies you want to work with um but Warren I I wanted to come to you on this and just ask um you know with the the funding that you've got um are there any kind of strings attached to it um and are there sort of any pros and cons you kind of had to consider when working with Google we were quite fortunate in that um I mean the only strings really is that we we you know we signed a contract or I signed a contract which um, puts us on this program for a year. And every, um, every few months, I have to have a certain number of sessions with the Google News Initiative team, where it's like a day long session of different lectures and feedback sessions. Um, and, you know, committing to that is, it's a fair amount of time, but they're giving you money. So, you know, that's one thing to consider. Um, um, there is no, there's nothing which says that we can't put the content we've made on other platforms. So although this content we're making now is primarily for YouTube, um, we are just beginning to investigate. Because we only launched you know, in the past few days. We're going to be putting some of our content also onto, um, onto Instagram and to Twitter and to, and to TikTok and YouTube Shorts, um, just so you know we can direct people towards the the content onto YouTube. Um, I, I guess with that, though, of course, you know, you've you got to spend more resources on doing cut downs and and trying to repurpose the content so it, it fits in with the other platforms, because obviously the last thing you want to do is just to put like a seven minute video, which is widescreen on YouTube onto, you know, a 916 portrait versions of work. So you've got to spend time getting it right. And because our work is quite graphics heavy, um, if, if the listeners don't know, um, need to know, it's for us, it's about it being a real sensory overload when it comes to news content. But at the same time, we're trying to explain it in a very simple way. So we're trying to engage audiences visually whilst also ensuring that they go and, and take away what they've just seen, um, which is a difficult thing to pull off um, for us. So it's, it's, it takes a lot of time to do an episode. Yes, I mean, grants is um, an interesting one. Lily and I have had um, grants from the university, as she mentioned, we've had teaching grants for other things that we've done. And also one of the series of the podcast was funded through the European Journalism Centre, which I think that funding originally had come from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, we found that with grant forms, there are for some of them there are kind of specific phrases that they want you to say or specific oh really yeah I mean I don't know when you when you had sort of the interview and that whole whole process with Google did you feel 
did you feel that there were boxes that they wanted you to tick kind of how did that process work when you had the interview did you feel like do I have am I saying the right things here am I filling in this information in the right way um I'll, for the google one i say no um but i think we're in a good position for the google money we, we just won an award an rts um i've got a a track record of sorts where like you know i've done some journalism which people know about so straight away for google it's less of a gamble right for someone like me um where you know if you're someone who's just starting out in a freelance career and you're trying to make it um, to a in a different kind of way then i guess it's more difficult um so I, I guess i went in there with some advantages which i should you know should not forget and be wary of that i've got many advantages which other people don't have um so um i have been in situations beforehand i won't name where they were but where i've seen other people get money and i thought well it seems to me that money has been got because we're in a particular time and place where certain kinds of journalism are in vogue or certain you know people who've been uh, you know who need the money or they they decided the money get it so things change all the time so i, I i'm wary of that too yes i mean it comes into and you talked about this sustainability hmm. so if you get that money um, how long have you got that money for? Is this a very temporary thing? At what point do you have to look at different sources of funding if you want to keep going? Like you said at the beginning, you couldn't keep doing your, um, you know, you couldn't keep self-funding this. I think Lily and I have found this. We had discussions because we didn't expect freelancing for journalists to become the kind of organisation it has. Sure. It was taking us away from our ability to earn other money so like we've got to make this sustainable we want it to be accessible but we've got to make it sustainable so how do we um is it difficult to know kind of at what point say right we need another source here we need something else that's a bit more yeah yeah and, and, that, and that's kind of where we are now i mean we've got some money which lasts us a while um and we're on this program but after that it's like you know it's almost a race against time and then you start thinking okay well how important is this, is this to me? Uh, and is the world telling me that we've had a great time, it's gone really well, but that was it and well done. And and sometimes, and you know, I'm not saying this now for need to know, but sometimes there is no shame in things coming to a natural end and uh, and walking away and trying something new. And I've seen people in the past, you know, get downhearted when, you know, they don't get a recommission for another series or whatever. But I, I think sometimes times you have to look at the positives and think well you know i've done something really good there they valued it now it's time for me to take the positives from that thing and do the next one so um that will be something which we'll be looking at in the next three to six months um you know if need to know needs to end or if we carry on but either way it's exciting yeah yeah definitely and i think it's it's just having a go isn't it and like you say sometimes projects do you know come to their natural end you know I think at some point we're not going to be doing this podcast forever we will exhaust all topics <laughs> but it's it's having the confidence to kind of start it in the first place and Amanda I just wanted to to bring you in here like how do you kind of have that sort of self-belief in the beginning if you've got a project 
um, you know, you you obviously want to start this newsletter, you'd had spotted a gap in the market, but um, how did you know that this was kind of something that people were going to will be willing to put money behind? And what would your advice be to other people in that position? I mean, I didn't, and it was only um, when I started asking about that I realised that actually, because you have so many ideas, don't you? And it's so difficult to know which ones are the ones that you should follow. And I completely agree with Warren. Like sometimes you have to also realise that like you've really enjoyed doing a project, but actually maybe you're not enjoying it anymore or there's other things that you want to do. And that's like great. And that's the whole point in being a freelance, like not to get tied into continually doing something that actually isn't bringing you enough joy anymore yeah definitely I think it it is like you say you've got to be enjoying it if you're freelance um that's kind of the whole point isn't it of of being freelance in the first place so you've got control um over your career I think it's also a good idea to have like really low expectations which I know (laughs) is not the most like inspirational thing to say but if you think to yourself that you're going to like if you want to like whatever it is that you want to do write a book and it's going to be an international bestseller like how are you ever going to have the confidence to sit down and write it because you're just going to have that hanging over you so I think sometimes it's easier to think okay I want to do this and but what are the things that actually are achievable like regardless of its success outside like maybe you just want to do it for a year and then you will you will succeed at it because the goal was always to do it for a year so I think uh, yeah having goals that aren't dependent on external validation really help yeah that's really good advice like setting the right expectations and I guess it's also about doing your homework as well because you mentioned there about sort of publishing a book and we did do an episode um, on this a while back but exploring what the different options are as well because you know it's not necessarily getting you know a, an amazing deal with a massive publisher it might be sort of the self-publishing route or it might be thinking about different types of publishers or or doing something digitally instead um just kind of finding out what the different options are um for those kind of things um I mean I suppose it would be useful for people to know like what is the first kind of step like if they say someone's got a really good idea or they think it's a good idea, whether that's a newsletter or a podcast or a TV show. Um, Warren, what, where do you think they should start in terms of sort of getting that off the ground? There are, there are a number of different routes. Like, you know, if you want to go to TV companies and you've got an idea, um, ensure that, because ideas get stolen all the time, ensure that you are central to the idea and that you've got something which the, the company would need. So if it's something revelatory, which some research you found or you've got a contact or a case study or something, ensure that you're kind of central to it so you don't get pushed out of the idea and they take it on without you um you can always try and attach yourself now to brands because brands are, try, are really keen to transmit their values to the products that they sell um so you know approaching them with something you've got but of course that then does raise questions regarding the ethics of journalism and and you know and products and, and how you feel about that um you can then, you know, um, go to independent bodies, you know, going to your Googles or going to the, you know, European Centre of Journalism or other places as well to try and say, look, I've got this idea. Can you help me fund it? Um, and then, you know, the, the other way is just doing it yourself and trying to build your own audience. And over, to, But that takes time. You know, you can spend a lot of time building your own audience. Suddenly you can go to someone and say, oh, I've got 10,000 subscribers or I've got X number of people listening to my podcast. 
and then you become attractive to other people who want to then give you money because of your audience. But that requires a level of investment and time, um, which you've got to bear in mind. Yeah, that's what happened to us. Once we, um, once the podcast took off, and we could go then go to kind of companies who would be interested in reaching out to freelance journalists specifically, um, to say, look, we've had this many downloads, we have this many listeners. You've actually got some evidence to go, but yeah. it's that kind of chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Um, I mean, obviously, there are things like Patreon or getting subscribers mm. as well. Amanda, have you? Um, thought about uh, kind of terms of longer term sustainability of the off the record is that are you planning uh, to do anything different have you thought about those kind of options I think um I just decided that I was going to do it for three years and then once I'd done that have a look where I was and whether or not I wanted to continue because I just think sometimes the projects they can just kind of meander and go on um so I'd say just to pick up on a few things that Warren was saying like I think if you have an idea because we all like have lots of little ideas about things that we'd like to do I think before you even get to the stage that you ask for funding just everyone like if you're a journalist probably a lot of your mates are journalists too so just have a chat to like three five ten and be like look I was thinking about doing this what do you think about it because then all of a sudden like something that you thought was like a medium idea other people might be like actually that is such a good idea because and they'll have ideas for it to snowball a little bit and I think sometimes if you're just like thinking about an idea in a silo it's not the best way maybe in order for it to um, develop and then the other thing is like have a think about what is your goal and why are you doing this because I think that's another thing like just because an idea is good doesn't mean you necessarily want to do it and what is it that you're trying to get out of it? So I think if you start thinking in those terms, all of a sudden things become a lot clearer. And sometimes I think you can just kind of get dragged a little bit and then all of a sudden you realise that you're doing something that you don't enjoy. And uh, what's the point in that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, one thing that we've definitely found helpful as we've gone along um, is just to, I mean, we started the newsletter, it's, you know, we don't, earn any money from the newsletter but we um kind of asked people who we know who have newsletters you know which platforms have you been on what should be found more useful what's the most useful approach to get that feedback and it's the same with people who've you know you will have people in your contacts people that you know or people in those social networks that you're in who will be able to give you advice on oh we did this or we tried this or make sure you think about this that you hadn't even considered so just like you would with journalism there's so much around just asking questions don't be afraid to just ask those questions um and Amanda I just wanted to ask you really if you think because I think one of the thing when people start out with these projects they think that they suddenly have to be um an expert business person and um that it's so far removed from what they would normally do can you think of like what journalism skills actually are quite useful, are transferable into becoming that business person and just thinking with that different kind of mindset? I mean, mine was sort of networking, but can you think of other kind of journalism related skills where actually you're already in good, good stead? Yeah, networking is definitely one of them. But also I think journalists, I know this isn't the most romantic way to look at our profession, but we are problem solvers. Like you're trying to find a story, you need someone to talk to, you don't have anyone to talk to, you find out ways to get to them. Or there's like a certain aspect of your story that 
is missing. And so you're, we all have incredible research skills. And I think sometimes that we forget that. And um, when it comes to the business side of it, the problems will come and all you have to do is just keep solving them. And I think it's not, I think if you look at it from the outside, like I had no idea what I was doing. I just kind of, every time that something, someone would be like, um, you need to do this by then. I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I understand what a deadline is. There's this thing that needs to be done in order for it to continue, whether that's to do with tax or to do with finding an accountant. And you just ask around the same that you would with a story. If you're working a story on like fuel poverty or whatever it is, you'll speak to, you have a look at what else has been written and speak to people. It's no different when it comes to setting up a business. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And that idea of problem solving and particularly as a freelancer, it's something you're doing all the time. So like you say, it's bringing that skill set to whatever whatever you're doing I think there's been some really fantastic advice there um but I think we're just gonna round up now and um ask both of you for your top bit of takeaway advice from our chat today so Amanda if I come to you first what would be your sort of one nugget of advice that you would give to people hmm oh I hate that you've narrowed it down to one because there's lots of things I'd like to say I guess um Someone always gets the money and why shouldn't that be you? And you're not going to get it if you don't apply and you might get it if you do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you've got nothing to lose, have you? Just just to go for it. And Warren, same question to you then. What would be your sort of top tip? Um, have a clear plan and don't be put off by the idea of failure. So um, when I mean about a plan, people have ideas and journalists normally are kind of creative um, in terms of, you know, having big ideas as to what they want to achieve. But if you haven't got a, a plan or a structure in place to try and get you to that place, then you're kind of creating problems for yourself. Um, so have some kind of plan um, and then don't be afraid if things don't go exactly to plan and just enjoy, enjoy the, the potential chaos that can result even if you have the best plan available to you. Absolutely. I mean, if you don't try, you'll never know. So you'll never know. Yeah, exactly. Great. So as a way of sharing the freelance love, we want to ask both of you, who is a freelance journalist that's caught your eye recently? Perhaps someone um, who's doing some really good work or someone you admire. Amanda, if we come to you, who is your freelance recommendation? Um, mine would be Amelia Tate. Ah, we've had her before. <laughs> <laughs> we had her last Honestly, series. <laughs> I just think that in these like dark, dark times and everything is so grim, whenever I um, see what she's tweeted, her latest story, it's always something that I think to myself, God, that is the weirdest thing that I've ever heard of. It's so strange. How has that possibly got commissioned? Absolutely, I'm going to read it. Yeah, I was looking at one of hers this morning, actually, that was doing the rounds on Twitter. So that she's our first uh, double shout out. <laughs> yeah, it just shows you really have to check out her work, I think. Uh, yeah, same question to you, Warren. Who Who's the freelance journalist you'd recommend? Um, so sticking with video uh, and YouTube, is a guy called Johnny Harris. Um, he's American. And he does some really um, great stuff. He was formerly at Vox and he does really good. 
um, kind of explainer videos, but with a really good um, news um, angle too. And he's just really good at explaining what's happening and visually is very strong and is a really good engaging presence on camera. So I'd say uh, check out Johnny Harris's stuff on, on YouTube. Brilliant. Thanks very much. And we'll dig out um, a link to his YouTube channel and put that in our show notes. Excellent. Great. Right. Well, it's time to bring this episode to a close. I think that's been really, really useful. And I think our listeners will have learned a huge amount there. Um, so thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been, yeah, we like the episodes where it's everything's very practical. Uh, so, yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, if you want to make more connections, come and join our Freelancing for Journalists Facebook community. And um, we're also on Twitter. We're at Freelancing4, and you can follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. And big thanks, as always, to our research assistant, Helen Quinn, and our producer, Maddie Drury. And we'll be back again soon, but goodbye for now. Bye.